<laughs> it's, uh, it's great to be with you uh, this morning. I'm actually going to be preaching at both sites. So if you're new here this morning, I'm going to dip out the door as soon as I'm done, and I'm going down to our congregation at 5.02, and then Rich will pick up where um, I leave him, hopefully in pieces. <laughs> um, this morning, we, um, we, last week, we finished our series in 50 Days of Prayer, and it was, it's, I don't know how many of you made it out this week uh, to one of the prayer meetings, but we hosted one on, on Monday. It was a real privilege to, to push into what God has for us again, to, to cry out for more. And I think just as we start this morning's uh, kind of wrapping up this series and enjoying God, I want us to not lose sight of what God has called us to. He's called us to be a people who desire more of him. He's called us to be a people who expect to see God move in Paul, in Bournemouth, and in Christchurch. He's called us to come together and to, to ask him for what we desire. And over the last 50 weekdays, there's been over a thousand people gathered at prayer meetings across the 50 days, which is just amazing, isn't it? A thousand people praying more, roughly for half an hour, 45 minutes at a time. And the pattern we see in the Bible is that when people pray, stuff happens. That's, that's what we see. If we read the Bible for what it's worth, we see stuff happens when people pray. And so let's not m- lose sight of that as we move into this Advent season. We still need to be a praying people. 50 days of prayer doesn't mean that prayer is over. It means that we've learned to be more passionate, more kind of, kind of uh, direct with how we are praying. And as we head into Advent, um, we're kind of coming back to this series on enjoying God. And I want to... Um, to explore this morning what it means to enjoy the Word, in every word to enjoy the Spirit's voice. Um, Tim Chester's book is what we've been basing this series on. Uh, Michael Reeves says this about this book. He says it's rich in the gospel, superb in practical application. This touching book is straight up fuel for joy. We want to be a people who enjoy God, don't we? We don't want to be a people who endure God. You know, sometimes life can feel a little bit like that. This week's been a week of endurance for me. Uh, my little boy was sick three times, one night, sick again the night, next night. Hannah was sick twice. We've all had the lurgy. It's, it's been one of those weeks where you're certainly enduring. But we don't want to be, we don't want to be a people who have to endure God. We don't want to be people who enjoy God. And Matt's kind of exaltation at the end of last week was that we should be characterized as a church, as a people, as, as Christians, who, as people who express the joy of God. So if you haven't already read this book, I would recommend you get hold of a copy. I imagine you could even put it on your Christmas list, but don't, don't waste a Christmas present on it. I imagine there's enough copies flying around of people who've already read it. Why don't you borrow one of theirs and say, I just want to read this book. So if you've not read it, get hold of a copy. Contact the office. I'm sure they can get hold of one for you. And we've uh, already looked at what it means to enjoy more joy. And we've looked at a few topics like this, that we can enjoy the sun's presence even though walking through pain. I expect some of us are there this morning. We can enjoy the sun's grace even in the midst of of failure. And this morning we're going to look at what it means to enjoy the Word of God, that is, the revealed Word of God in the Scriptures through the Holy Spirit's voice speaking to you. I wonder if any of you have ever been asked a question where no is the wrong answer. It's socially inappropriate to say no. Now, as a teacher, I'm a master of asking these type of questions. It might be a question like, can you tidy your desk for me? 
The answer is always, always no. If they say no, that's the wrong answer. Can you not run down the corridors so fast? Can you, can you do what I ask you to? No is not the required answer. In fact, if a child was to give me a no in that instance, it would undoubtedly result in more time in my presence, maybe in my office, discussing why with more questions, why are you so obstinate and rude? Can you be any more rude? Well, the answer is definitely no. We all, we've all had those situations where we can't say no, right? Even though when deep down in our hearts we just want to say no! I wonder if you've ever felt like that when someone said this to you. Shall we pray? Shall we read our Bibles? We've all been there where the praying and reading our Bibles is one of the last things we want to do. It's coming to the end of the evening at a prayer meeting and someone says, shall we just pray again? In your heart, you say, no, not really. <laughs> no, no, no. And you, you just want to say no. But we, you know, as children, we learn what's socially acceptable, don't we? No, no child really says to me, can you, when, can, can you hide at your desk? No child says to me, no. Because they've learned the social acceptable cues. They've learned the kind of authority of the school. And they know that actually I'm, I, I mean what I say. If someone asks us to pray, we know that actually we, it's just a bit awkward, isn't it? We can't say no. Oh, sorry, I'm a bit busy right now. I've got to go. No, nah, that's all right. I've got other things on my mind. And yet the reality is that when I have been asked to pray, or when I get up in the morning, if I'm honest, sometimes praying and reading my Bible is the last thing I want to do. I have felt like that. I do feel like that on a regular basis. I just want to grab my coffee, scroll through the news, catch up on the day, get in my car and get on with life. Sometimes that's how I feel. I think the issue here is about how we view structured Bible reading, kind of diligent prayer. We, we often read our Bibles, pick it up in the morning, in the hopes of getting hold of some new truth where we can add to our overall knowledge bank of what God is, our overall understanding of what God is. And we can do that. And we can often see prayer as a way of us conveying information to God. But actually, I think we need to see it much bigger than that. When we open our Bibles and spend time with him in prayer, we enter into divine moments for us to enjoy communion with our Father in heaven. Tim Chester says this. He says, the Bible is a relational book. Its purpose is, is to create and deepen our relationship with God. It's not a quick reference tool. It's a place in which we hang out with God and get to know him. And that's what the Bible is this morning. The, this Friday before last, uh, Phil and Bren babysat for us, which was wonderful. Hannah and I managed to get out on a rare date night. They're few and far between at the moment. And um, if, if the purpose of that, that evening was for us to convey information about how our week's been and kind of day-to-day -day life, we might as well have just written it down in a kind of summary document, exchanged them and said, here we go. Here's the summary of what I've been up to. What have you been up to? No, the, the purpose of going out on an evening together was for us to stay relationally connected, for us to enjoy each other's company. And it's the same with our relationship with our Heavenly Father. It needs constant work. It needs for us to, to engage in it. It needs for us to get in the groove of enjoying time with Him. This morning, I want us to see three things. I want us to see that when we engage with God, our primary calling is kind of coming through, that we live in communion with our rescuer in heaven. 
Secondly, that we can hear his voice when we get into the scriptures. And thirdly, that we can know God's presence when we read our Bibles. So let's get, uh, let's get stuck in and have a little look at what it means to, um, to have a means of communion. Now, Bible reading, amongst other Christian practices, has often been referred to as a, as a discipline. And in some sense it is. Opening my Bible every morning is a discipline. It requires me to be disciplined with my behavior. Um, and However, discipline can often be kind of the means to an end, that, we, that by doing the discipline better, we are somehow making our relationship with God better. And it's, it's true for the other, other spiritual disciplines as well, like uh, praying, like giving, like serving, all of those things. And we can, we, can, we can work hard at the disciplines. I think the other problem is that most of us hate the word discipline. Children hate it, we hate it. When someone says this is a spiritual discipline, it instantly falls down further on the list of things that we want to do. And when we opened up our series in September, Matt spoke about the extraordinary privilege of being able to know more of God. More of God. And Tim Chester says this, he says, The Christian life involves a living felt experience of God. There is a real relating, a two-way relationship with giving and receiving, being loved and loving. It's a two-way relationship, a relationship which we can experience here and now. And we often use the word communion to refer to taking bread and wine. And that's what we're going to do a little bit later as a way of responding to the word of God. However, communion is a much broader thing than that. Communion is everything we do where we can experience God as a result of his union with us. You know, our union with God is the basis for our communion. And I think we showed this little diagram kind of right at the outset of this series. God has done everything in his power to live in union with us. And as a result of that, the benefit of that, the, the plus side of that is that we get to enjoy communion with him. And so when we open our Bibles and we read, when we, when we listen to the spoken word on a Sunday morning, we are engaging in that fact that we get to live in communion with him. The second thing that happens when we open our Bibles and we get our kind of our heads into the scriptures is that we get to hear God's voice. We get to hear God's voice as though it was breathed out to us. On Friday, as part of our CBR reading, we met a young man called Samuel working with the priest Eli. Now, Eli was an old man. He would, he's pretty much lost his sight. His sons had gone off the rails and gone a bit AWOLs. And, and we get this story of Samuel lying down to sleep. And he's on the floor. And in the middle of the night, he hears his name being called, Samuel, Samuel. Now, he gets up. He goes across to Eli and says, Eli, you call me. Here I am. And Eli says, I, d- I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Go back and lay down. So Samuel goes, he goes back to his bed, he lies back down, and again he hears a voice, Samuel, Samuel. You see, the Lord was calling Samuel, but he, wasn't, he didn't realize it. So he goes over to Eli, and he says, Eli, you called me again. He says, I didn't, I didn't call you. Verse 7 of 1 Samuel we read on Friday says, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. But Eli knew. He says, go lie down. If God calls you, You have to do this. Stand up and say, speak, Lord, for your servant is here. So Samuel 
returned to where he was laying down. He laid down again, and third time, God calls his name, Samuel, Samuel. So he gets up, he heeds the word that Eli says, and he says, speak, Lord, for your servant is here. What an experience of hearing the actual voice of God must have been. What a privilege that in the middle of the night, Samuel hears the audible voice of God calling him by name. And whilst I know God still speaks that way, you know, it's not my experience that in the middle of the night, God calls me by my name and I can hear an audible voice. And I would, I would expect that for most of us, that is also not our day-to-day experience of how we hear God's voice. It's just not the way he's working. And I, I want to kind of use these few verses in Hebrews um, to kind of enlighten us about what it is, and how we can experience hearing God's voice. And there's two, two times in Hebrews 3 and Hebrews 4 where the writer of Hebrews quotes Psalm 95. It says this, it says, Today, if you hear my voice, do not harden your hearts. And I just want us to, to learn a few things about the way these two verses quote Psalm 95, which was originally about the Exodus, um, for us to understand about what the Scripture is. Firstly, it is human yet divine. The Bible is human, yet divine. You see, Psalm 95 has two authors, the Holy Spirit and King David. Hebrews 3 starts, as the Holy Spirit says. But in Hebrews 4, it says, he spoke through David. There's clearly two different people writing here. They are human words written down by human hand, but inspired by God. When we pick up the Bible and we open it up and we read from it, we are not only reading human words of people who lived and breathed on the very same earth that we do, but we are simultaneously reading the divine words that God has inspired through these people, and we get a sense of what God is saying. Do you know, Paul describes the, the scriptures to, to Timothy when he writes to him as God-breathed. They are breathed out by God. Peter describes it like this, that the writers of the Bible spoke as if God, as if they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. What an incredible miracle that the Bible is not only an accurate record of historical events charting the, the, the kind of the trials and tribulations of God's people throughout all of history, but also a living record of what God himself has said, what God himself has done, and what God is yet to do. The Bible is human, yet divine. The Bible is also past but present. Past and present. The words quoted here in Hebrews are actually words written by King David, inspired by the Holy Spirit speaking through him. And this is the case with every written word in the Bible. Yet it would be quite easy to believe that the Bible was written by people that God has spoken to. However, look at Hebrews 3. It doesn't say that the Holy Spirit spoke these words, as in a past tense. It says that the Holy Spirit says. Present tense. You see, the Bible is not a record of what's once happened and what was once said. When the Bible is read, when we read the Bible, something happens. It is a present tense. That's when we open the Bible and we listen to the word being preached. Every, uh, on a Sunday morning and every morning when you open and read your Bible, we can enjoy the Spirit's voice speaking to us because it is present tense. It is not a past tense. We are here right now hearing the word of God spoken 
through his scriptures. Come to church on a Sunday morning expecting to hear God speak to you. Come to church ready to hear his voice. Open your Bible tomorrow morning expectant that God is going to speak. When um, this original kind of when David's talking in Psalm 95, he's actually referring to uh, Israel's exodus from Egypt. And one of the things that the Israel, Israelites did in that time is they just grumbled and complained, and that they hardened their hearts to him. It says that they just grumbled, moaned, and complained. And then centuries later, David writes this, and he says, if today you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And then 2,000 years later, the, the writer of Hebrews says the same, same thing. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Do you know, I would, I would love us all to have Samuel moments. Wouldn't you love a Samuel moment where God speaks to you audibly, when we are silent before him? The reality is that God is speaking to us. He is speaking. We can hear his voice. It's written down. Where? In this book ready for us to hear. And when we pick it out and when we pick it up and when we hang out with God, when we read what God has done, we, we enter into divine moments with our Father in heaven. We exercise our communion with our Father in heaven and we hear his voice. Hebrews 4 verse 12 puts it like this, for the word of God is alive and active. Alive and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of your heart. If you want to know how to enjoy the Spirit's voice in God's Word, open your Bibles, expect to hear Him, ask for Him to speak to you. You see, at creation, God spoke. What happened? Chaos was brought into order. That's what happened at creation. As we read our Bibles, as we, as we engage with the Word of God, as God speaks to us, what happens? Chaos is brought into order. If you're experiencing chaos in your life, open God's word and ask him to speak to you and see how it can bring order. So firstly, we, when we read our Bibles, we engage in communion with God. Secondly, we can hear his voice. And finally, we can know God's presence. When we open our Bibles, we can know his presence. One of the, the sad realities for many of the children that I teach is that um, their absent uh, fathers are absent from their lives? It's kind of so many of the children that I teach that just have no father, distant. And even when sometimes the parents are still together, the fathers are so disengaged in their parental responsibility, they might as well be absent by proxy. But the same is not true of our Father in heaven. The same is not true of our Father. He is alive and He is active. And He intervenes time and time again for His people. If we, if we read the Bible throughout all of time, we see it happening. Stories recorded where He interacts with His people, where He cries out, where He says, I am your dad and I am here for you. And I've often wondered what it would be like to be a disciple of Jesus, to be there some 2,000 years ago and actually follow Jesus around and be in his presence, what that would have been like. The reality is, though, that our experience of God, for the time being at least, is more like Moses on Mount Sinai. It says this, it says, You heard the sound of words, but saw no form. There was only a voice. 
Is God absent from the story because we cannot see him? No. Whilst our eyes cannot see him, he is present and active because we can hear his voice. How? Through the work of the Holy Spirit, who God has given to us in this season to enjoy. My um, eldest child, Bethia, a couple of years ago went through a difficult patch of getting to sleep. And we couldn't keep her in her bed. We just moved her from a cot into a big bed, and she just wouldn't stay there. She was crying out for us, coming down the stairs. And the only way that I could um, get her to stay in bed was to sit on the stairs. And so every, every evening, I would sit about five or four or five stairs down from the top step with my laptop on, my headphones in, and get on, get on with some work. And she wouldn't need to talk to me. It was the case that she could see me. And that was fine. She'd roll over. She'd know that I was there. She'd be enjoying my presence, and she'd fall safely off to sleep. And this went on for a few months. Uh, I watched a lot of TV in the time. And then I just started, I just moved down a step. So she saw a little bit less of me. And then a few weeks later, I moved down another step. So she's kind of just got the top of my head. And eventually, I moved down so she couldn't see me at all. But what could she do? She could hear my voice. When I called up to her, I'm still here. And the same happens when we read our, we read our Bibles. We can't see God, can we? We can't see him, but we can hear his voice and we can know his presence. John Calvin says this, If our Lord is so good to us as to have his doctrine still preached to us, we have by that a sure and infallible sign that he is near at hand to us, that he seeks our salvation, that he calls us to himself as though he spoke with open mouth, and that we see him personally before us. Jesus Christ holds out his arms to receive us as often as the gospel is preached. And this is an offer that is open to all of us. That Jesus Christ, that God himself, opens out his arms to you. That the God made Jesus flesh. That that's the thing that we remember this Advent season, that Jesus came down. He opens his arms wide. Why? To receive you. And if you are here this morning and you've never crossed the line of faith, if you've never said yes to Jesus, if you've never said, I want to be a follower of him, I want you to consider this gospel message. I want you to consider this, that God so loved the world, that he so loved his people, that he sent his own son, Jesus, present amongst his people, that he had created in his image to do what? To redeem them to himself, to set them free from their sin and shame and bring them back into communion with him. Luke says this in Acts 26, he says, The purpose of Jesus was to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive what? Forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are being sanctified by faith in me. You see, in that moment, if you, if you say yes to Jesus this morning, what happens is that the punishment of sin, which is death, is no longer applied to you. But instead, Jesus stands in the breach. No longer are we found in death, but instead we are found in life. We are no longer shrouded in darkness, but instead live in the glorious light of our Redeemer, Christ Jesus. And whilst our earthly bodies will ultimately fail... As we've experienced as a church this week, death is not our enemy. 
death is not the end of the story. Because Christ didn't stay dead. Sin didn't defeat Jesus Christ. Jesus was raised to life again and given a new resurrection body. And that is the offer to you this morning, if you don't know Jesus, is that you can know him and no longer be dead, but be found in life. And that whilst your body will fail, you will be raised to life again. And what will you get? You will get an opportunity to sit at the table in heaven with our creator God. The truth is that if we had lived 2,000 years ago, we would have known the presence of Jesus. We would have been able to experience Jesus physically, to see him with our eyes. He lived a physical life. These two, these two men here, Ray Charles and Stevie Wonder, were both musicians who shaped and are still shaping the music industry. And both of them were born or were early age, were blinded. And they're often cited as examples of how others, your other senses adapt to not being able to see. But a deficiency in their sight led to them being more musically gifted than the rest of us. But actually, the study shows that something deeper than that's happening. There's a journal about neuroscience. It says this, it is commonly assumed that the improvement in the remaining senses is as a result of learned behavior. In the absence of vision, blind people pay attention to auditory cues and learn how to use them more efficiently. I think that's true. But there is mounting evidence that people missing one sense don't just learn to use the others better. The brain adapts to the loss by giving itself a makeover. In one sense, if one sense is lost, the areas of the brain that are normally devoted to handling that sensory information do not get unused. They get rewired and put to work processing other senses. And I think the same is true for us. In some ways, we can be blind to how we see and experience God because physically, we cannot see him. We can't see his presence. We are blind but as we open our Bibles, something miraculous happens. We see God. We see him. We can see his hand at work in all of creation. We can see how his purposes have, have been achieved throughout all of history. We can see how Jesus was the centerpiece of God's plan to redeem his people. We can see how he intimately knows us and cares for us and shepherds us and fathers us. If we want to know God's presence, get used to hearing his voice and get rid of the clutter and make time for him to both, be, to both speak to you and be present with you through his revealed words. Wayne Gruden puts it like this. He says, in hearing in the hearing of the Lord's words, believers experience the joy of personal fellowship with the Lord himself. They experience personal fellowship with the Lord himself. You see, the Bible is a tool through which we engage with communion with Father in heaven. It's how we, it's how we hear his voice and it's how we experience his presence. So, so what does this mean? What does this mean for us as Gateway Church right here, right now? I think it means, quite simply, we should be intentional about opening our Bibles, about reading our Bibles and making Sunday mornings a regular moment in our lives. Because if you want to know and experience God, you need to be soaked in the Word of God. 
And I would suggest that coming on a Sunday morning is perhaps not enough for you. You need to be in this book daily. And it's great to, you know, it's great to have a reading plan, a Bible reading plan, something which helps you structure what you're doing, because we all function better that way. And um, many of us at Gateway Church have been doing a, a Bible reading plan called Community Bible Reading. And we've been, I've been in it for a couple of years, and it's been, it's been a great blessing. I'm currently in a, in a group with Paul and Chris and a few others. And do you know... Um, Every morning we get up, we read the same couple of scriptures together, and we WhatsApp in, and we encourage each other about what God's saying to us. We're actively thinking about what, what it is God is saying. And um, as a result, I know my brothers better, and I'm, I'm living in community in day. But that's not the reason for it. The reason is to give me a route into to getting into the Bible to enjoy him more. It's not, it's not about succeeding the plan. It's not about getting up every morning and saying, I'm being, I'm being super disciplined here. I've been, I'm the first to message in. It's always a little bit of a competition. Will's always very early. It's really tricky to get in before Will, but sometimes, you know. It's not about that, is it? It's not about making sure or, feel, or feeling guilty about not having not read your bit today. It's about knowing that when you open the Bible, you get to enjoy God. And it's just a a few of my thoughts on CBR. I've done it for a couple of years now. Um, For me, structure leads to consistency. If I have a structure to work through, I am more consistent with my Bible reading. And that might be CBR. And if you're not in a CBR, we'd love to talk to you and get you plugged into a group. Okay? Um, But find some structure. Just go opening up in the morning and say, I'm just going to read my Bible today, will often lead to not being consistent with your Bible reading. So find a plan and follow the plan, but don't feel guilty if you don't follow the plan perfectly. Secondly, um, the, the nature of community leads to two things. It leads to a greater level of encouragement, but it also leads to a kind of implied accountability. Um, it is great for me to log onto my WhatsApp in the morning and see three or four of my brothers in Christ encouraging each other and encouraging me about what they've read this morning. That's how they've heard God speak. Oh, maybe I could hear that. I love that in the morning. I love to be there and saying, how has God spoken to me? And can it be an encouragement? It's also great to be held accountable because actually if I don't WhatsApp in for a week, I know that actually I should have done and in some sense, I'm encouraged by the implied nature of it to, to open my Bible and say, Do you know what, I need to be in this more. And so I'm being held accountable for reading my Bible. And that's really helpful. Third thing I've observed, and I need to make adjustments in my, myself as I reflected over this in the last week, is um, an app just doesn't cut it. So I have uh, the CBR app on my phone, which is brilliant in some sense, because I switch my phone on in the morning, I open my CBR, it loads the scriptures for me. If I'm really running late, I can plug it into my car and it will read the scriptures to me, which is wonderful. But I think we're losing sight of something here, and I'm, I'm just reflecting for myself here. That actually, my kids see me on my phone enough of the time. They see me swiping through the news. And for all intensive purposes, I'm not teaching them anything, am I? I'm just teaching them that I use my phone a lot, way too much. I want our children and our children's children to see us opening the Bible and to, to see us engaging with it because we enjoy being in the words. The final few pages of Tim, chapters, Tim Chester's book 
talk about what it means to enjoy the Spirit's presence in the Word of God. And if you, if you get hold of this book, I've, I've followed some of his points, but there's some really excellent advice in here about how to, to get in there and enjoy it. So if you, if you want to know more, get hold of this book. Do you know, every day I tell, well, hopefully every day, every day I tell Hannah that I love her. I think it's most days. <laughs> Probably should check that. And, uh, and, and, and I do that every day, not because I'm conveying any new information, am I? I, I, ha- I have loved her for the last 12, 15 years. I'm not telling her anything new, but I still say it again and again. And when we open our Bibles, we, we, we don't do it just to follow an exercise. We do it because we want to engage with our Father in heaven. He reveals himself to us his love for his bride through his son Jesus, and we get to know his voice and experience his presence. It's not about getting in new information. It's about knowing that God loves us, about knowing that God is for his people. Let's be a a church who make it our aim to hear God's voice, who go after God, say, God, I'm going to live in communion with you. I'm going to hear your voice. I'm going to meet with you. How? Through the regular reading of our Bibles. Why don't we stand and pray together? Father, I, uh, I thank you for your revealed words. Lord, I thank you that you have written down in 66 books all that you have done throughout all of history and all that you are going to do. Lord, I thank you that this revealed word is your word speaking to us. It is your voice, active and alive and present amongst us right now. Lord, I thank you that as we open it up each day, we get to engage with communion with you. What a privilege. Where we should be outcasts, we are called in. Where we are dead, we are made alive. Because you have made union with us so we can enjoy communion with you. Lord, I thank you that as we read our Bible, as we hear the word preached, we hear your voice in some supernatural exchange. Human voices convey your divine voice. And Lord, we want to be a people who hear you. We want to be a people who know you. And Lord, whilst our eyes can't physically see you, whilst we are in some senses blind to that, One day we will see you face to face. One day we will dine at your table. Lord, but right now, we ask that you make yourself present amongst us by your Holy Spirit. Come, Lord Jesus, and be honest as we push in to worship you, to love you for all you are, to commune with you, our Father in heaven. Amen? Let's worship together.